Hi, good morning, folks. Uh, trying this live feature. So hopefully, hopefully we are out there live. Hey, it's, uh, it's Jamie Oikel from runningrestaurants.com along with Roger Bodwin from restaurantrockstars.com. And uh, we're on StreamYard, but uh, also putting us out to uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube at the same time. So hopefully some folks uh, do dial in and, and join us as we talk about this. So today is going to be all about selling a restaurant in 2021. And, and it's going to be interesting in a, in a lot of ways because my first instinct is like, hey, man, like I would never want to sell a restaurant right now. It's probably a terrible time. We just went through COVID and pandemic. But I think we're finding that to be the opposite, which is a, a surprise fact. And Roger's going to talk about his learnings and what he's going through selling his restaurants. So uh, I, before we even get into it, Raj, uh, good morning, first of all. Thanks. And uh, what, what, what's going on, man? Well, you know, business is picking up. It's amazing how much uh, opportunity is happening with, you know, us pulling out of this pandemic. You know, all of our businesses, whether it be restaurant operated, restaurant rock stars, it's like everybody kind of laid low for a while. And now things are coming back and they're coming back in force. You know, states are loosening the restrictions or dropping them entirely. People are going back to restaurants in force. And there's lots of space for lease out there. There's restaurants for sale out there. You know, it may be a good time to buy a restaurant, and it's certainly a good time to sell one. It's a seller's market in so many states and parts of the country. So, lots happening. Yeah. So let's. I mean, let's let's go let's go to it, and and, and I don't know. We'll kind of try to be short and sweet today, or maybe we'll get get into it and stay long. We're not really sure. We don't we don't know uh, exactly. We have some bullet points we want to talk about. Well, let, let's see where this goes. So, Roger. Uh, longtime restaurant owner in the state of Maine, uh, successful restaurants, wildly successful. I'm sure we'll hit on lots of those, lots of those aspects. But sold that restaurant, moved away from it, uh, all, all of that, and then a year or two ago, he'll tell tell you exactly, got back into the business, bought a restaurant with plans to renovate and do this and do that. And uh, of course, COVID hit and pandemic hit, uh, change, pivot, move forward, and so and so forth. And then as we're coming out of the pandemic, kind of out of nowhere, Roger, you get an offer a couple knocks on the door saying, Hey, would you be interested in selling? And you're like, well, I mean, what, did you, what was your reaction? You told me. Well, you know, it was kind of mixed at first because we were approached by a commercial broker with no plans to sell the business. Um, anyone who's listened to your show before any of our recordings knows that, you know, the real gem of my property was this beautiful barn that we planned to turn into a wood-fired pizzeria and a bar. Our neighborhood is sort of exploding with new subdivisions. And I was really close to pulling the trigger on a very expensive pizza oven from Italy. And we were starting the whole planning process to open literally in a couple of weeks. And this goes back a couple of months ago. And then all of a sudden, it's just made us think. And when we started uh, exploring this, that particular person didn't end up moving forward. But we just talked to a broker just because. And they said, yeah, the market's on fire right now. We're selling businesses. You know, we, we've just closed on three deals. You might want to look at it. They threw out a price that we thought was great. And we're like, okay, yeah, let's let's take a look. And you know, we're willing to see what happens. We didn't list it for sale. We didn't put signs on the building. I mean, we'll get into some of these ins and outs, but we started getting showings right away. And a lot of activity started happening almost immediately. So we said, okay, you know, let's let's move forward with this and, and see what happens. And we're under contract to be sold. Uh July 31st is is our closing date. So yeah, we pivoted yet again, you know, in the business, planning to expand the business and then deciding to sell the business. And who knows what the next opportunity is. So that's the key word, opportunity. Was it a surprise to you though that the, the broker said the market's on fire? And did that take you did that take you back a little bit? 
Well, I knew that the residential market was on fire. And it's crazy because uh, our particular area of Maine, very close to the coast, has experienced a tremendous amount of people, um, you know, moving from out of state to Maine when, when COVID hit and during COVID and all that kind of stuff. And houses are suddenly selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars more than they were worth pre-pandemic almost a year ago. And the amount of showings, the amount of offers, we're talking about multiple offer situations. Uh, I've heard that it's not uncommon to get 15 or 20 offers on a house. And people, like I said, are paying 100, 2,000 more than what you know the seller thought it was worth a year ago. So it's crazy residential market, but apparently the uh, commercial market is on fire as well. Yeah, listen, seeing the same exact thing. We're outside of Orlando, same exact thing, residential market, absolutely exploding. Uh, but I, I, I was surprised because we know there's uh, lots of properties that are available for lease and lots of opportunities and lots of people went out of business. So if you're a restaurant operator and you're listening to this and going, oh, it's, it's it can't be a good time to sell, we're actually seeing a lot of things in the market that it is. And I know, Roger, you were uh, talking with uh, uh, another client of yours recently about going through the process. And, and that kind of that kind of gave us the push to do a short session yes. here today mm -hmm. about selling because Roger's going through it, talk to other folks going through it. And, and we kind of have a checklist of things to think about. So let's go there. And it, it all starts from the beginning. And, and you know, your, your first note on here is very simple that, you know, what are you selling? Is it just, is it the real estate? Is it the name? Is it the goodwill? Is it profits? Is it, you know, so when you think about that, or when you talk about it, what should the operator be thinking about um, what they're selling? Because they're thinking, oh, it's my restaurant. And I, you know, I love it. And it's great. But, but it goes beyond that, right? Tell me. Well, yeah. And it's, uh, I think we need to differentiate whether we're just selling a business as a going concern or if the owner operator who's selling actually owns the property or the real estate. Now, I've done three sales now where I own the real estate. Those are more complicated transactions than just selling you know, an existing going concern business. So there are some differentiated factors on what to look at. But when we say, what are you selling? Do you have real estate for sale? And then there's going to be a significant amount of value attached to that. The majority of the value is going to go to the property. And then the goodwill. What is that worth? Have you been in business 20 years and you've got a raving fan base with a database with you know 10 or 20,000 names in it? Do you have repeat business, powerful marketing in place? Like all this obviously equates to goodwill. Um, the location is certainly important too, that goes along with goodwill. Like if you're in a busy location and you've got walk-in traffic, you've got a huge parking lot, but lots of drive-by traffic that adds value. A liquor license is a huge piece of it. And liquor licenses vary in cost, depending on where you are in the country. Like here in Maine, a liquor license is very inexpensive. It's $1,500 a year crazy. If you're in New York City or Miami or LA, it's not uncommon to pay half a million dollars for a liquor license. Like it's really, really that much of a difference. So, you know, there's value to a liquor license, but depending on where you are, you know, you need to find out what does a liquor license cost. Um, there's also furniture, fixtures, equipment that has a certain amount of value. And when you're working with a lawyer and a CPA, when you've got a sale on the table, you need to determine what they call an asset allocation between those different things. If it's real estate, how much value is going to be placed on the sale price to the real estate? How much is going to be placed on the going concern business as it exists? How much is going to be placed on the liquor license, the furniture, the equipment? All those things have an asset allocation value as a percentage of the sale price. And depending if you're the buyer or the seller, 
it could be a tax advantage to you and a disadvantage to the other person and vice versa. So it's kind of a meeting of the minds so that it's a win-win situation for both so that the seller doesn't take a huge tax hit on capital gains and that the buyer doesn't end up, you know, spending too much. All that kind of stuff is, is pretty important. So that's kind of what you're selling. You need to know what you've got. You know, maybe there's an existing space for sale. It's a restaurant that's been operating for a couple of years, but a chef wants to buy it, but he wants to totally change the name and start a whole different concept with a different menu. So that's going to affect the value of that particular property. That that potential buyer is going to say, well, I don't want to pay that because I really don't want to keep your concept and I don't care about your name. All I want is your equipment and the space. So you can see how, you know, how this is going to vary depending on what you have, what you're selling, what your goals are to sell. Yeah, hundred percent, man. So I, I was I was jotting down some notes, and we can get into we'll we'll maybe get into it separately later. But yeah, the valuation methods. It's always it's always kind of some of our most popular content is uh, the question: What is my restaurant worth? Right. Everybody wants to know what what is my restaurant worth out there in the marketplace, and we'll we'll get to that in in a little bit. Um, because if you're an operator, you're probably thinking about an exit strategy down the road. To not you can't do this forever, right? Or, or you may you may want to grow it, sell it. You may want to do it forever and pass it on to your family. But either way, you should be thinking about that process of, of maximizing the value. So that's something that you do really well, Roger. In your past businesses, you make sure that the value is baked into the business, right? By having a profitable systems in place. So let's talk about that for a little while. Let's say you're not ready today to sell, uh, but uh, you might you're thinking, oh man, let's get ready for six months, a year. What are some things somebody should be thinking about now in terms of systemizing and showing profitable income statements and so forth? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, the very first thing that uh, a buyer is going to want is you know, financials. And not that every restaurant has what they call audited financial statements that are actually, you know, sort of certified by a CPA that's looked them over because we've all heard those horror stories of, you know, this restaurant or this business has two sets of books and one says this to make it look really great, but this is the reality. So you really got to be careful at what you're looking at. So Generally, you're going to look for three years of financials, but are backed by three years of tax returns that verify this is the actual income of the business. So that's really important. You know, a new buyer is going to want to look at sort of the maintenance history of the space and the equipment. They're going to look at the age of the equipment and what value that has, because let's face it, you don't want to buy a property where you suddenly need to spend $100,000 on replacing all this cooking equipment. You want a turnkey operation that is ready to go, that really needs very little, if anything. Now, that is not the case. When I bought my business, we needed to spend extensive money on renovations and equipment repairs and equipment improvements and all that kind of stuff, which happened over time. And then we continued that through the pandemic. When we talk about systems, you know, I believe there are three fundamental systems that every restaurant operator needs to be not only aware of, but to be on top of and to execute in the property. I call it the magic dust of a successful restaurant. So number one, of course, cost controls and profit maximization. You need to understand your critical numbers and you need to have a system in place that tracks, okay, what's your food, beverage, and labor cost? What's your daily break even? These are the key telltales of whether you have a successful operation 
or not? You know, is your bank account growing or are you filling your seats and it's kind of scratching your head wondering why you're not making any money? That's important. A new buyer is going to look at that business and, and expect to see that. You know, guest counts are really important. You know, a buyer wants to know what's the traffic on a daily basis? What's the traffic on a Monday versus a Saturday? Are there any downtime? Are you closed any days because there's no business? Like all that's important. So the first system, of course, is the cost control and profit piece. The second um, system would be what I call building your dream team. And staffing is the biggest challenge that every restaurant owner, operator, general manager is going through right now. But if you can build a dream team and train them to serve and sell, provide amazing dining experiences. And this comes through recognition and rewards and training, training, training. I'm a huge believer in training. And then when you're looking for people, it's not about hiring. It's about recruiting. It's about incentivizing people to re make referrals of people that are looking for jobs or might not even be looking, but just fit your organization. And I've always paid incentives to my key people to bring people in. And then I've paid incentives for those people if they last a couple of months and if they do a really great job, I'm going to give them a very generous bonus for, you know, for meeting those expectations. So it's all about training. It's all about recognition and rewards. That's the second system, of course. And then the third one we call marketing firepower and affinity where affinity is defined as a powerful sense of loyalty, belonging to that business. It's about building not only new business, but getting those new customers to come back again and again, give you great positive online reviews, really build the business where your staff and your customers both are brand ambassadors for your business. And they're literally making friends with your customers and they're driving new business in the door every day. So those are really the systems, the cost piece, the profit piece, the staff training piece, and then the marketing piece. If you got those three, you got you know a great chance of transforming your operation. Yeah. So let's 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 keep let's go back a little bit and we'll 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 go forward after that. But so if you're looking to sell, absolutely what Roger just walked through, you hoping your those pieces are already in place at your restaurant. Good cost controls, having a great staff team, building the team, and obviously having marketing fee. That's going to make your business much more valuable to sell. You may, you may, some people may need to sell for various reasons, and you're not going to get a premium. But if you're doing the things that Roger just talked about, you're going to get a 3x, 4x premium over the other folks. So let's go back a second and talk about the why, right? Why sell? You know, mm -hmm. why think about yeah. selling? It's a big part. You know, it can be anything from retiring to moving to just being to, you know, to not wanting to do it anymore. What are some of the things you've seen uh, for the whys of longtime restaurant operators like yourself? Well, you know, that could be a catch-22 in some regards because a, a buyer wants to know why the seller is mm -hmm. selling mm -hmm. and a seller doesn't necessarily want to tell the true story all the time. Okay, if it is a health issue, then of course. If it's a retirement issue, sure. You know, I don't have any family members that'll take over this business. That's why I'm selling. I'm 75 years old. I've been running this place forever. I'm ready to retire. That kind of thing. Those are legitimate reasons. But then there's also these fire sale situations where, okay, my business just isn't successful. I can't make it successful. I need out. It's killing me. And then suddenly that's going to affect the valuation of that business. You know, if a potential buyer senses there's blood in the water, they're going to pounce and the offering price, if they're interested in your business, will be far lower than if they think it's a really successful turnkey cash cow type operation. So, you know, why you're selling is going to come up. It's best to obviously be truthful about it. But, you know, <laughs> you can see the differences of the answers there, depending on, you know, what's what's really going on. Which, um, which, which, absolutely, a hundred percent. So, do you want to talk about um, 
your story uh, at, at all, uh, let me know. And then I'm sure people are want to get into the valuation stuff. Um, we can also talk about um, things like the, like you already talked about, is it confidential? Is there announcements? Is it quiet mm -hmm. in the background? Are you selling? There's so many things to talk about. I'll kind of let you guide the next little bit. What do you, what do you think? Where do you want to go? Well, my first two restaurants sold because we really wanted to change our lives after 20 years and, and move out of state. Um, my restaurant was a turnkey operation. It was only open seasonally. We had lived, uh, you know, in a small town for, like I said, 20 plus years. And we really started focusing on building restaurant rock stars, which became a higher priority for us versus running this restaurant, which really ran itself because we had a dream team staff in place. We had managers that treated the place like they owned it. But I think I started getting really worried mostly about the liability. You know, my flagship restaurant sold, she's uh, almost a million dollars in four months a year in alcohol alone. And, and I just know that uh, we created this mug club that had over 1,200 people that belonged to it. And suddenly people that used to come in twice a month were now coming in three and four days a week. And then there's that whole responsibility thing where you've got loyal customers that have been patronizing you for years and years, and they're more like friends than their customers, but maybe they drink a little too much. And there's that fine line between telling Joe, hey, Joe, you can't have another beer because I think you had too much. And this guy's been your customer for 15 years. You know, there was that whole fine line between over-serving someone, but following the rule of the law. And then there was that nightclub incident that maybe a lot of people remember in the state of Rhode Island so many years ago where somebody set off some pyrotechnics that set the whole place on fire and a whole lot of people died. And I had a 350 seat restaurant with rock bands playing three nights a week. We were packing the place and we were selling a lot of alcohol. And I just started to stop sleeping well at night thinking, what if this happens? What if that happens? So that was a prime reason for me to sell that particular property. And then we were going to move, you know, my wife wanted to move across the country. So it just became the perfect opportunity to shift gears, focus on a new business called Restaurant Rockstars. With the latest purchase, just before the pandemic, you know, we were looking for an opportunity and it could have been a commercial property. It could have been, you know, multi-unit apartment buildings. We looked at a lot of different deals and here's this restaurant that has a lot of potential. Yes, you know, it needed some improvements and, you know, some TLC, some new fresh paint and a lot of that. And then we saw that barn and we're like, hey, we can do our old restaurant on a little smaller scale. And here's this exploding, you know, subdivisions all around us within a nine iron shot. We just saw opportunity. The business had two apartments over it that was another source of cash flow. So when you're buying something, it really helps to have multiple sources of cash flow to support that business until it gets going. Or maybe it's a cash cow and that's just, you know, icing on the cake to have apartments that contribute to that cash flow. So like I said, we're going to totally plan on doing that barn business and then we started getting approached with people interested in buying and, you know, the pandemic is kind of wearing off and people are going out again and you know, Restaurant Rockstars has really taken off again and all these new opportunities on the table. And the pandemic really required a lot more hands-on on our part. And now we no longer have the time to put in in that business when we really need to focus on Restaurant Rockstars. So that's kind of the reasons yeah. for selling. And, and it varies with every different business and every different case. 
Yeah, it does. Uh, let's um, let's go back to the staff part, which everybody knows yep. is a big issue now. I was just out uh, tra traveling this this weekend, and we some short staff restaurants uh, taking a long time to get service. It's it's a little frustrating. I know everybody's yep. going through that pain, but but as it relates to selling a restaurant, you talked about having staff in place and managers in place. How big is that component of it? If I was you know buying a place yeah. and 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 it's going to be an ongoing operation, and I want to keep the people that already know the the secret sauce. How do you how do you bake that into a sale? How do you is it agreements? Is it non-competes? Is it things of that nature? What have you seen? Well, listen? every case again is different because there would be would be buyers of your property that again are looking for a totally turnkey operation. They're looking at your business as an investment. They want to know that there's managers in place, staff in place willing to stay, and that literally, you know, you can close on the sale one day and reopen for business the very next day with very little, if any, interruption of service to the customer base. And, you know, that begs the question going back to why are you selling? Or, you know, what is the value here? Some businesses, restaurants, you know, absolutely require that owner that's been a hands-on person for 15 years or longer, or even if it's five or 10 years, that business is the personality of that owner. And the customers come in and they're used to seeing that owner and the place really can't operate without that owner because they don't have the systems in place. They literally do everything and they tell the staff what to do. And suddenly a buyer sees that and now suddenly I got to be a hands-on person and take over where this person left off. Or is that seller willing to stay on, on salary to ease the transition? You know, this is all important stuff. Will the staff head for the lifeboats when they find out the business is for sale thinking, oh, I don't like change. We might hate the new owner. You know, I'm going to go find another job right now. It's like all of these questions come up. And then the flip side of that coin is, is the buyer gonna bring their own team in and really doesn't need the old team? Or maybe they cherry pick the team and say, well, I need this person, but I don't need that person. And I'm gonna interview the whole staff and figure out where I can fill in where I might need, or maybe I don't need anybody and I'm gonna change this whole concept. And you know, maybe I'm gonna close the place down for a month and do a complete renovation where you know these people aren't gonna have jobs anyway. And all this comes up obviously in the minds of the staff, as soon as they hear the places for sale. And that kind of leads into the, you know, into the, do you list it for sale and make it obvious? Do you put a huge sign on the building saying for sale to attract as much attention as possible? Or do you try to keep it quiet? You know, when you're in a small town, people talk, people hear things. You don't want, you know, customers coming in, hearing scuttlebutt on the street, and then suddenly talking to the staff, oh, I hear the places for sale, what's going on? And the staff have no idea until they hear that. And it might might be rumor and it might be fact. It's like, so the honesty with the staff when you're thinking about selling is a real fine line. Whether you put the sign on the building or not is a real fine line. Like all these things like come into play. Roger, you do not, you know, in regular life, you do not hear the word scuttlebutt enough. I, I, I like hearing it. <laughs> I think it's good. I want to hear yes. more this week. I hope this is this is the word of the week. I love it. Scuttlebutt. Uh, all right, listen. So, um, uh, anyway, I, I, I'm remiss in saying this, but uh, there, there's def, there's a few folks uh, watching live, and whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, uh, thank you know thanks for joining us. I think the the system we're trying this for the first time, so you should be able to put in a comment if you have a comment or a question. Uh, try to try to put it into the platform that you're watching on, and we should be able to see it here. and And I think we can bring it into the thing and, and try to answer it. So if you're listening and you do want to do that, let's try it. It may or may not work. Um, so uh, we'll give folks a chance to do that, but. 
let's um, talk about the um, the valuation stuff. You know, what's a what's a fair value for the price? You touched on it a little bit. You sent me some notes that that you know mentions you know multiples of cash flow, average percentage of gross sales. Uh, you know, I know those are some of the common ways. What are you seeing now, or what? Do you, you know, you don't have to talk about your you know yeah. confidential stuff, but you know, or you can use it as a reference point. What 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 should people be thinking about mostly when they think about what's my darn restaurant worth? What do you think? Well, again, if you have the real estate, it's a whole different ball game than if it's just a business for sale. But essentially, you know, you need a valuation of that real estate. A broker is going to have a list of comparable sales in the past six months, which is going to be accurate for similar, you know, square footage, similar usages. If there's restaurants, you know, if you're in a busy city, restaurants do turn hands, people do sell real estate, that sort of thing. So that gives you a basic idea what the real estate value is worth or what the land value is. You know, in certain parts of the country, land might be, you know, $20,000 an acre. In other parts of the country, it might be 100000 an acre. In other parts of the country, it could be 500000 depending on where you're at. So land has value, of course. And then the building that sits on the land has value. So you really need an appraisal to give you an idea in today's market what the real estate is worth. Now, when we're talking about the business, generally restaurants sell for a multiple of cash flow. This is the most common method. So let me define cash flow. If you have a profit and loss statement, the bottom line is called net income. So if this business is making any money, you literally start with net income and then you're going to add back all the things that you as an owner have taken out of the business that have a cash value that is a benefit to the new owner. Now the new owner can decide whether or not they're going to pay themselves that salary that you paid yourself. Do you have a company car? Is the new owner going to want the company car? Health insurance, life insurance, uh, manager bonuses, employee bonuses, all of these things are add backs that net income plus owner salary plus you know this benefit, this benefit, this benefit. And that is a cash flow. That's the amount of business, you know, the amount of free and clear cash that that business spins off on a yearly basis, if you can show a history of it paying this stuff. And that's a very valuable number for a buyer to look at because, wow, that gives you an idea. Is this business really successful or isn't it? So literally it's one and a half to three times cash flow of the business and then adding assets to that as well, meaning what's the furniture and the fixtures worth on top of that. And that'll give you a rough idea of your business's value. So that's the most common method. And then the second method is a percentage of average gross sales. So if your business does say 500,000 a year, it could be 30 to 40% of that plus the value of those assets. So, you know, I always think it's a good practice to put numbers together, crunch those numbers, you know, run spreadsheets, think about what your proceeds would be at different sale prices, less any debt that you owe on either the equipment or the building, less expenses such as broker commissions, closing costs, like all this stuff affects what you're going to end up with once all is said and done. You settle on this price to sell your business. Someone agrees to pay you that price. Now you got to subtract your debt. Maybe if you've got a partner and they've got an ownership stake, then they get that percentage of the proceeds after commissions, after taxes, 
after closing costs, all this kind of stuff. So you may settle on a really nice number and it may be a much smaller number when you end up with that cash after all is said and done. So that's literally the valuation method. But I always suggest that anyone that's interested in this really explore it with their CPA and their attorney because they're the experts, you know? They're the ones that can really advise you on valuation, asset allocation we talked about earlier, and then what they believe your business is worth based on looking at your financials, running that cash flow statement I talked about. You can do this stuff yourself, but it's always great to get an expert set of eyes to look at it and say, hey, you missed this. You're really throwing off more cash flow than you thought. Don't forget X, Y, and Z. So always consult the professionals. Yeah. And listen, and aside from that, I think a lot of people are too deep in their own business to feel like um, it's it's worth a million dollars because I want a million dollars from it. I know. That's, that's not yeah. the reality. You get mm -hmm. you get a you know, you get an attorney or a broker or a CPA that will kind of ground you in the reality of the business and what it is actually worth in, in the marketplace. And you, and you, threw, you, you threw out some multiples there, uh, what you used, you know, 1.5 to, to 3X. Now we Rough already- rules of thumb, yeah. Yeah, and, and, we, and we touched on this, right? And you're gonna get, you're gonna get that, you know, 1X multiple or, or 1.5 if you're, you know, don't have an optimum optimized situation. And you're right. gonna get 3X, 4X, potentially mm -hmm. even more if right. you really have what, what Roger has talked about as a turnkey system that is proven to be profitable year over year, you're going to get a premium for that. And so if, if you're just listening to this because you're like, hey, I might want to sell in a few years, um, you know, do the systems that Roger's talking about to get in place so that you can sell for 3x, 4x uh, versus if you just have to fire sale and you literally have to you know, do a 1x type situation, which is not the exit strategy that, strategy that you're looking for by any means. So you... Um, Let's go to brokers, non-brokers. Uh, you know, I we've sold a house ourselves. You know, I think mm -hmm. I, you know, I can take pictures of my house and I can put them on the web these days, and I could I could probably sell a house, right? Um, I think in a business, it's a lot. I feel like it's a lot more complicated. Is it? Yes. Is that something that you just you don't want to try to take on your on your own? What do you think? Well, you know, I can speak to the side of that point as well, because in my very first sale, an employee actually bought my business, which required absolutely no broker fees. And it was a very high selling price, which then equated to a very high commission, which would have come off my proceeds and all that kind of stuff. We did talk to probably three different brokers. They do their due diligence. They come in, they look at what they have. They take photographs. They put these very elaborate sort of sales proposal books together that outline what the business is, if it's property involved, you know, what the square footage is, the floor plan of the place, what the traffic counts are. Like they spend a lot of time cost of doing business, whether you list with them or not. And, but if you do go with a broker, you literally have this really powerful sales tool that comes right down to any press clippings that you've received in local newspapers or magazines. Like it's, it's a complete marketing tool for your business that chances are you can do yourself, but not to the level that a professional that does this day in out does. It includes all the financials, the three years of profit and loss statements, the cash flow statement, like it's all there. So, you know, whether or not you go with a broker, it depends on, you know, how much time do you have? Because this is a very extensive process. It's nothing you can just decide on one day, you're for sale the next day, and then a month later, you're done. No, this is a very elaborate and very extensive process. So I do recommend going with professionals. I'm going with a professional now, 
who just happens to have her finger on the pulse of the market, literally has her ear to the ground and knew of lots of different potential people looking for businesses like mine. And she brought immediate traffic to take a look at the business. I probably had four, if not five different parties looking at it. We ended up getting two offers and at least three of those parties looked at it multiple times. I don't think I could have done this on my own. And I certainly didn't want to put a huge for sale sign on the side of the building waiting for what happens. But timing plays a part too. Do you want to sell immediately or can you sit on this for a year and wait for the right buyer to come along? And, and you got to consider all those factors. So again, the first business I sold did not require a broker because the person had worked for me for years, had owned other seasonal businesses in the summer, just liked to bartend in the winter and go snowboarding, but had the resources behind them to purchase my business. No due diligence needed at all. Knew the place was a cash cloud, knew the place rock and rolled, had worked there for years, knew it was a turnkey operation, could just literally step into it and continue to, you know, he doesn't run his business. The same managers are in place. He still bartends at my old business just because he loves to bartend. You know, and he's the social guy that owns the place, pouring the drinks, and then he goes snowboarding five days a week. So that was the old sale. And then the new sale, we're relying on a broker. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that uh, you, you'll probably, you might sell your restaurant, you might sell a restaurant once or twice in your life, right? If you're an operator yes. versus a broker, that's what they do. You know, they're doing, right. they're doing that year in, year out. So they know the ins and the outs. And so mm -hmm. um, it is a case uh, to, to work with the experts there. Eh, assuming, assuming that makes sense. All right. Uh, probably we'll start, we'll start winding down here in the next little bit. One thing I'm going through, Roger sent a great list of notes and, and, and we probably should build this out into a, a bigger, a bigger thing. Cause we just kind of went off the cuff today to, to do this. And again, if you're listening and you have comments, throw them in there. We'll, we'll, I think they're going to pop to us. So feel free to try to put that in there. I'm actually curious. If, even if you just say hi, I want to see if it pops into our interface. So anyway, just go ahead and do that or tell us where you're from. That'd be great to see. But one of, one of your notes talks about a non-compete, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Because if I was, if I was buying your place, Roger, and I know you're a great operator, I wouldn't want you to op open up next door a month from now, right? And, and grab all the customers. So how, how should folks think about non-compete? Most buyers are going to look for one, especially if it's a super successful enterprise, because again, in, in, in a lot of areas of the country, there's lots of real estate for sale. There's lots of leases that are open and who knows, maybe this seller just wants to cash out because they have another idea in mind, another concept that's a big hit and they're ready to get rid of this concept. And then across the street, there's this perfect space for sale. They're going to open up another restaurant and they're going to compete directly with me for the customers. But you know, they've got a loyal following. They might take all their customers customers with them to the new restaurant because people love this guy and what he does or this gal who runs this amazing restaurant. So a non-compete is important if you're a buyer. Um, when I sold my former properties, I had a four-year non-compete within a 30-mile radius of my restaurant. I was not allowed to open another restaurant. I was not allowed to consult on anyone else's restaurant and help them do anything. And now that my law, you know, my non-compete is long since expired, I'm actually consulting in the same neighborhood to a client to my former restaurant. So, you know, that's that's kind of the importance of that. And then again, going back to the asset allocation, in addition to goodwill and the value of the business, there is a value to that non-compete. It could be five or ten thousand dollars of value could be, you know, equated to to the non-compete agreement. But again, a consultant attorney and a CPA. But that's kind of the ins and outs of why and what and you know what it is and what it does. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think I think that makes sense. Like four years, thirty miles, uh, something like that. You know, you want to make make sure the person doesn't just just uh, restart right next door to you. All right. So you you probably have the same set of notes uh, there. What what else do you want to hit on today that that we haven't hit on? What do you think? Yeah, let's see. We talked about. Oh yeah, the stability of a lease. If you're selling mm. a business and you're leasing a space. What's going to happen if I'm a buyer? I really want to know how stable is this lease because I've seen I've seen in a couple of cases, you know, a really successful restaurant get booted out of a space because the landlord, the owner of the property, thinks a higher and best use is to turn it into condominiums and goodbye restaurant. Now suddenly you've you've built a business. Maybe you spent three or five years there. You got a loyal clientele in this neighborhood, and now suddenly you're being thrown out. Now you got to go find another space, and your another space might be miles away. You might have to rebuild that business entirely. I've seen it happen. So what is the stability of the lease? Is that lease assignable to a new buyer of that business? Is it a five-year lease? Is it a long-term lease? Is it expiring next year and you have no idea or guarantee if the landlord will renew with this new owner? That affects your value significantly. So that's due diligence, obviously, that a buyer needs to do. But it Head them off at the pass, you know. As a seller, you really want to be able to, you know, show with confidence that this is a stable space. I've been here for 10 years. The landlord is a really agreeable person. Whenever there's a problem, he fixes it, you know, as much as of that that you can document as possible for a potential buyer, the better, as well as okay, what's the term of the lease? When does my existing lease expire? You know, is the landlord willing to renew? And what would the renewal term look like? Is he going to jack up the rent like, you know, 10 bucks a square foot? Or is it a stable lease with a stable price? All these things affect the value. Yeah, listen, uh, we got uh, my, our buddy Dale, Dale Wilton, the lease coach. He's mm -hmm. great with this stuff. And and one of the things Dale would talk about, if we were talking about the flip side of this, if you were just starting a restaurant and getting a lease space, is make sure you negotiate points like this yep. ahead of time. You know, don't 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 take the boilerplate lease language. Have have stuff in there that gives you an exit strategy that is successful. It, 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 and I don't know, and I don't know them offhand, but is transferable. You know, with with the right to you know do this and that without getting uh, hit by fees and so forth. Build that right into your lease. Super important stuff. So yeah, I mean, check with check with Dale and his team on things of that nature. What, what else, Raj? What what for, what from your list of checklists might you want to hit here? Yeah, what else that we didn't talk about was as a seller, how how willing are you to hold paper and help mm -hmm. finance a deal? Because mm -hmm. you know. In certain business climates, there are certain lenders that are willing to lend. Restaurants are considered risky businesses to lend against. So it'll help sort of grease the wheels of progress if you're willing to hold a portion of that debt. You would, of course, be in a subordinate position to the bank. But again, are you willing to do this or do you just want a total cash deal where you can just walk away and a bank or even you know the small business administration backs that loan and you don't have to worry about it? I've seen, I've seen it in both cases, really. Yeah, and 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 if you happen to be uh, in a position to do it, a lot of times it can be it can be a very profitable a profitable technique because, let's say you let I'll just make up numbers, but if you were to take out five hundred thousand dollars of cash from the from 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 the sale, and okay, what are you going to do with that? Okay, you can put it in the bank yourself and make zero percent, or you can put it in the stock market and hopefully make money, or you could finance it, and then when you finance that, that could be a very profitable cash flow stream down the road. Of course, assuming all the worst case scenarios don't happen like bankruptcy. So, so if you're in a position to do that, it actually can be a very good uh, cash stream. Uh, do you find that to be the case? Absolutely true. Yeah, good. So, um, all right. Uh, I'm looking at other notes that talk about uh, the financials that you hit on. 
uh, capital well, capital improvements, equipment. What 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 else do you think you might want to hit here? Yeah, listing again. I mean, it's going to take time. Of course, we've talked about that. It's going to take time, but nothing is more important than doing your homework, doing your due diligence, whether you're a seller or a buyer. But if you're trying to sell a business, as much information, as much transparent information that you can provide a potential buyer, the greater the competence they're going to have in your property. If you've got a full list of inspections of that property that are recent, if you've got a full maintenance list and invoices on everything you've done to maintain that property, everything from the equipment repairs to the Ansel system inspections to the septic pumping. I mean, all this stuff, if you can give the guy, this is what I've done. I don't neglect my business. I take care of it. I have preventance maintenance plan in place. This is what we do every single week and month for maintenance. I mean, all of that goes a long, long way. So, you know, inspections are super important. If you're selling real estate, chances are the buyer will do their, they'll bring in their own people that are going to want to inspect all the building critical systems, the HVAC, the electrical, the Ansel, the equipment. And then there's a septic inspection, unless you're on town or city sewer. You know, these remote communities have their own septic systems. And if they're not maintained, they can fail and that could be expensive. So, you know, as much maintenance records as you can provide and lists of equipment um, and capital improvements and all these things, you hand that person you know, this is, this is what I've done here. This, this shows that person, geez, I don't need to put a new roof on the place. That guy just did it two years ago. You know, you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent keep, keep good records and have yeah. that stuff in place. It will absolutely help you. Marketing along the way. plan so, too. Marketing oh. plan. You know, we never really hit yeah. on that. So a turnkey operation has proven what marketing brings in the customers. And if you've got a turnkey marketing plan that says I've spent X amount of money on this and it delivers, you know, a five-time return. I've tried this and it failed. Don't go there. You know, if you can show them that you've really done your homework and that you've really got a dialed in marketing plan, then that's turnkey. As much turnkey as you can provide that is proven to work, that's backed up by facts, the better. All that adds value. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's let's go to somebody who um, listen listening to this uh, maybe right now or after the fact. This will be this will be archived for a bit, and yeah. they are existing operator, gone through the pandemic. Um, they're just not sure of the future path because it's still still a little bit in, in question, and they're thinking about selling in the future. Um, I know you help clients with this sort of thought process. Yep. Um, what does that look like? If I were to give you a call, Roger, and say, "Listen, Raj, heard your stuff." Um, you know, I've uh, been thinking about selling or interested in selling, you know, what, 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 how do you advise them and, and who do they call? How do they, how do they get in touch with you? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, I love having these free consultations. I dedicate time every week to either my podcast listeners or restaurants that hear about me that just have a challenge or a pain point they want to talk about. So uh, they can reach me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R at restaurantrockstars.com. You know, ping me an email and say, hey, I'd love to chat and we'll set up a Zoom, you know, and we'll just do a face-to-face -face and, and we can talk about anything that you want to talk about for 30 minutes. No obligation, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's easy. Yeah. Roger at restaurantrockstars.com. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh yeah, yeah. Get get in touch with get in touch with Roger because he's been 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 there on on multiple on multiple occasions for years and years and, and seen it. So would be a good opportunity to uh to pick somebody's brain who's been who's been doing it. So uh parting thoughts on your sale process, uh on the sale process, 
as we uh, as we start as we wrap up here what do you got what do you think yeah i mean again uh we touched on the systems but i can't emphasize enough the importance of systemizing your business so if you've got a little time if you've got three months six months or even longer before you actually are, are thinking of doing this i mean I, I tell everybody, you know, now that the pandemic is is coming to an end and business is really booming, customers have higher expectations than ever. And if you've been lucky enough to survive this pandemic crisis and that's been so challenging through the, you know, the good graces of the government money and all the things that have helped us through all this, now's the time to transform your operation, maximize value, and having those systems in place that are turnkey, that a potential buyer can just take over and, and that place goes on, you know, by itself without the owner being there, then the value is just maximized versus limited if you're you know, if the business is over dependent on you. So, you know, we do have a full set of turnkey systems available. Everything we talked about, that three, you know, magic dust formula, the service, the training, the cost controls, the marketing. It's like it, all of that exists at restaurantrockstars.com if, if you're looking for those systems. But now's the time to really do it because, again, customers have high expectations. And if you're thinking of selling, maximize value, do the best you can for yourself and put in the time because it'll definitely be worth it on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me let me put up there uh, restaurantrockstars.com. That's Roger's website. You can check out um, the products that he does have uh, that talk about this, that help operators systematize and sell better and market better and so forth. All that is available right there on the website. Uh, our website is runningrestaurants.com. <clears throat> so if you check us both out, we got uh, on our site, Running Restaurants, you have, we have resources that help operators as well. Tips, uh, hundreds of articles uh, at this point, uh, hundreds of hours of uh, webinars and seminars, sessions like this to help operators with the tips they need. So uh, Jamie Oichel from runningrestaurants.com along with Roger Bodwin from restaurantrockstars.com. Thanks for joining us folks this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, you, you doing so, we talked about selling a restaurant in 2021, what that looks like and the weirdness that is still the COVID pandemic. But the surprising light in two ways is that the country is, is coming out of that that fuzziness and it is it is starting to kick and you're starting to see that, which is making it a really interesting market for both existing operators and folks that want to sell. So uh, la la last quick wrap up, Raj, what you got? Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Again, Jamie and I are both passionate about this business and we love helping operators succeed. So, you know, now's the time to rediscover that passion. If if you've been beaten up badly by this pandemic, which most of us have been, things are so optimistic now. I really want to see everyone, you know, rediscover the passion of why you got in this business in the first place and and just get inspired and motivated to really you know, put your best foot forward, train your staff to deliver amazing dining experiences, really dial in your critical numbers and make sure you're making money and having fun because that's what this business is all about and delivering amazing experiences to your customers. Good, good wrap up, Raj. All right, thanks folks for joining us. We'll be in touch soon. Stay, stay, stay tuned to our websites for more. We'll see you thanks. soon. Thanks, thanks very much, James. Thanks for tuning in.